I'd invite you to, the, uh, to turn to the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark. And I want to read two verses, three verses, 18, 19, and 20 of the second chapter of the Gospel of Mark. I give you time to find it because once it's found, we'll move quickly through it. Here it is. And John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And they came and said to him, that is the scribes and Pharisees of verse 16, came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, While the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom do not fast, do they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. Jesus had had dinner with Levi, or Matthew as we know him, and it was a, a practice in that day that when a person had a special guest over for dinner, that a large entourage of people came, and they formed a kind of gallery that sat there and watched the people eat and listened to them talk about politics and about religion. And so the scribes and the Pharisees were there in that gallery and they observed that Jesus was having too good of a time. I mean, he was enjoying himself. Instead of revealing a life of religious piosity, he was celebrating. He was, he was revealing a life of joy and excitement and celebration. Frankly, Jesus was kind of an embarrassment to the religious uh, people of his day. Reminds me of the man who owned a restaurant in a little city in Georgia in a dry county. And he wanted to um, serve liquor at his restaurant, so he petitioned the commissioner's court for permission to sell liquor at his restaurant. One of the commissioners was a Baptist deacon. And the petition was denied that he have the right to sell liquor at his restaurant. And so he protested the decision to the commissioners and said, Well, Jesus himself turned water into wine. And the Baptist deacon said, Yes, and quite frankly, Jesus has been kind of an embarrassment to me ever since. Now, I'm not here to promote booze, but I am here to say that to these religious leaders, Jesus was somewhat of an embarrassment because he was having too much fun. And so they asked him a question, why is it that your disciples don't fast and the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? And the implication is, is they thought that Jesus was against fasting. He really wasn't against fasting as such. There are a lot of reasons why a person will fast. Some will fast for discipline's sake. 
They want to make sure that these pleasant things and comforts in life do not rule over them or master them, but they are master over they. And they want to make sure when they fast that they don't love things so much that they can't do without it. And some people fast because they want to make sure that in denying things and comforts that they really appreciate the things and comforts because you really don't appreciate some things until you do without it for a while. Jesus wasn't really against fasting as such. And so his response was really a response by giving three short parables. They're always connected in the three synoptic gospels but of the three parables, this one I've read is the most neglected and least discussed, the parable of the bridegroom and his friends. Now let me tell you what Jesus was saying in this parable in a nutshell. He was saying this, that the lifestyle in the kingdom of God is essentially and fundamentally different from the lifestyle of the Pharisees. And that difference is revealed in three ways. First of all, it is reveal, revealed in its liberty. Life in the kingdom of God is a life of liberty. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And that's a masculine word, truth, there. And, it, and he's referring to himself who later said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And if the truth makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Life in the kingdom of God is a life of liberty. Now a paraphrase of verse 18 could be like this. Jesus, why are you so different? Why don't you fit the mold? For the religion of the Jews in Jesus' day was crusted with customs and said, everybody has to fit a certain mold and look a certain way. It's called traditionalism. If you saw Fiddler on the Roof, you remember Tevye's opening song, Tradition, Tradition, and he was singing the truth that the Jewish community was based upon all of these traditions, and everybody had to fit the mold and look the same. To the Jews, it was important to fast twice a week. And anybody who didn't was condemned. You don't fit the mold. It's called traditionalism. You got to look this way. You got to have your hair cut a certain length. You got to sound a certain way. You got to talk a certain way. You got to fit the mold. Traditionalism or legalism. Uh, Lucato said that when he was eight years old, he, he was in a boys' choir, you know, his little boys that wear blazers and, and colored ties, and they sang at conventions and even went on the road. And he said the director of this boys' choir was an ex-army uh, drill sergeant. He had retired and was the director of the boys' choir. And he said other guys had been in a couple of years, but he said the first night there, the thing about this guy was that his, his habits of drilling like a drill sergeant spilled over into his accompaniment, his, his direction. So he said about the middle of the time they were practicing, he got them all outside to drill them. 
He called the turns and they did the march. Hut, two, three, four. And he said, I, was, I looked over at the guy walking beside me and I, and I asked him, I said, why are we doing this? And the little kid said, I don't know. No. He said, where are we going? He said, well, I don't know. And so every night, twice a week, every, every, every uh, time they practiced, they, they broke into their practice and went outside and drilled. They didn't have anything to do with singing. Uh, but in order to be in the, in the boys' choir, you had to march. You had to get in step. Legalism, an illustration of it. It's when my opinion becomes your burden. You see, there's only one, there's only room for one opinion in this boat. Guess whose opinion matters? And my opinion becomes your boundary. For if you don't look like me and talk like me, then I don't know whether I can have fellowship with you or not. In fact, I don't even know whether you're saved or not. Legalism. And my opinion becomes your obligation. For Christians have to toll the company line. It's not for you to, um, it's not for you to think, it's just for you to march. And if you're going to belong to the group, you've got to get in step. You've got to march without asking questions. It's called legalism. And that was the religion of the Jews. A number of years ago, this song was popular. Little boxes on the hillside, little boxes made out of ticky-tacky. Little boxes on the hillside, and they all look the same. There's a blue one and a pink one and a green one and a yellow one, and they're all made out of ticky-tacky, and they all look the same. And the people in the boxes all go to the university, and they all get are all made out of ticky-tacky, and they all look the same. They're lawyers and they're doctors and they're business executives and, and preachers and they all are made out of ticky-tacky and they all look the same. And they all play on the golf course and they drink their martinis dry and they all have beautiful children and the children go to school and to summer camp and then to college and they all get put in boxes and they all come out the same. And the little boys go into business and they marry and have a family and they all get put in boxes, little boxes just the same. There's a blue one and a green one, there's a pink one and a yellow one and they're all made out of ticky-tacky and they all look the same, legalism. And so Jesus took the scroll and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, has anointed me and I have come to preach the gospel to the captive. I've come to set the captive free, even those who are captive to the stifling, sterile legalism that is cold and formal and rigid and arbitrary and not of God. The thing that's different about Christianity is that it is a faith of freedom. It is different secondly because of its love now the paraphrase, a paraphrase of verse 18 could be like this. Jesus, why don't you follow the rules and the regulations? And Jesus' response was this. God is not, are you listening? God is not a judge 
whose laws, rigid laws, are to be rigorously kept. God is a Father with whom we can have a relationship. For the kingdom of God is not based on rules and regulations. It is based on love, His love for me and my response to that love. For Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship. Now I know all of you have heard Campolo's Honolulu illustration. Here it is again. He was over in Honolulu doing a conference and he, he said because of the time differential, he said, I woke up every morning at 3 o'clock hungry. So he said, I was out on the streets of Hawaii, Honolulu, looking for a place to eat at 3 o'clock in the morning. And he said, I took a back street and I found this, the little place that gave the greasy spoon its name. He said, you talk about a greasy spoon. He said, I went in there, it was like a roll of, 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 of bar stools at a counter. And he said, I sat down and the, I was the only customer in there and the guy said, what do you want? Big fat uh, waiter. He said, I'd like one of those donuts and some coffee, please. And he said, now I know in the back room where they do the cooking, they drop donuts and kick them around, you know. But he said, you know, out there in open public, I'd like to, you know, be able to, I wish he'd have used some, some thongs, but he, some tongs, but he just kind of wiped his hands on his greasy apron and got one in his hand and put it on the plate. And he was sitting there munching this donut. When all of a sudden the door opened up at 3.30 in the morning and nine prostitutes came in. And they all sat down at the counter on, on either side of him. He said their language was loud and rude and crude. He said, I started to get up to leave when, at, when one of the prostitutes said, tomorrow's my birthday. And one of her friends said, well, who cares? I mean, why are you saying it's your birthday? What do you want us to do, have a party for you and make a cake? And the girl said, why are you always cutting me down? I, I just wanted to... I just mentioned tomorrow's my birthday. I wouldn't expect you to have a party for me or bake a cake. I've never had a party, birthday party in my life or a cake. Why would I expect one now? He said they talked a little while and then they left. And so he, he said to the guy, do these gals come in here every night? This, he said, yes, yeah. same time, yeah. How about the girl sitting beside me? She's going to have a birthday party. He said, yeah, she comes in. Why? What do you want? He said, I want to have a party, birthday party. He said, I want to have a birthday. Let's have a birthday party for her. He said, I'll, I'll get some decorations. And, 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 and the guy, he's kind of pepped up and he's kind of brightened up. And he called his wife. He said, come here. He said, this guy wants to have a birthday party for Agnes. And, and, the, girl, and, the, and the lady's wife said, that's a great idea. Agnes is really a good, good girl, good kid. And, 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 and Campola said, I'll get the decorations and I'll buy a cake. And, and the guy said, no, baking a cake is my place. I'll get the cake, you get the decorations. So the next day he went out and got decorations. And that night at 3 o'clock he came in. And they put all these decorations up and got everything just right. And, and at 3.30, right on the dot, nine prostitutes came bounding through the door. And when they did, they, they shouted, happy birthday, surprise, and they all began to sing. Now, I want you, I'm going to read it because I want you to get every word of it. Listen. 
At 3.30 on the dot, the door of the diner swung open, and in came Agnes and her friends. I had everybody ready. After all, I was a kind of the MC of the affair. And when they came in, we all screamed, Happy birthday! Never have I seen a person so flabbergasted, so spun, so shaken. Her mouth fell open, her eyes seemed to knuckle a bit, her legs seemed to buckle a bit, her eyes seemed to knuckle a bit too. Her, her legs seemed to buckle a bit, might have been, might have buckling. Her, her friend grabbed her arm to steady her as, as she was led to sit on one of the stools along the counter and we all sang happy birthday to her as we, as we came to the end of our singing with happy birthday dear Agnes, happy birthday to you. Her eyes moistened. Then when the birthday cake with all the candles was taken, carried out, she lost it and just openly cried. Harry gruffly mumbled, blow out the candles, Agnes. Come on, blow out the candles. If you don't blow out the candles, I'm going to bluff blow out the candles. And after an endless few seconds, he did. Then he handed her a knife and told her, cut the cake, Agnes. Yo, Agnes, we all want some cake. Agnes looked down at the cake. Then without taking her eyes off it, she slowly and softly said, Look, Harry, is it all right with you if, I mean, is, is it okay if I kind of, what I want to ask you is, is it okay if I keep the cake a little while? I mean, is it all right if we don't eat it right away? Harry shrugged and answered, Sure, it's okay. If you want to keep the cake, keep the cake. Take it home with you if you want to. Can I, she asked. Then looking at me, she said, I live, just, I live down the street just a couple of doors. I want to take the cake home, okay? I'll be right back, honest. She got off the stool, picked up the cake, and carrying it like it was the Holy Grail, walked slowly toward the door as we all just stood there motionless and, as she left. When the door closed, there was a stunned silence in the place. Not knowing what else to do, I broke the silence by saying, what do you say we pray? <laughs> so after they prayed, Harry looks at Campola and says, who are you? And Campola said, well, I'm a preacher. I knew you were a preacher. What, what kind of preacher are you? Are you Catholic or a Baptist or a Methodist? And Campola said, no, I'm the pastor of a church that has birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 o'clock in the morning. And Harry said, nah, there ain't no such church. If there were, I'd be a member of it. And so Jesus came and he tore back the curtain and he said, let me tell you what it's like to be in the kingdom. It's not like following a judge and rigidly obeying his rules. It's like a celebration of people who love one another indescribably, unconditionally, unquestionably love one another. That's the kingdom of God. Finally, it's different not only in its liberty and its love, it's different in its laughter. 
Now what the Pharisees were saying to Jesus was this. Why are you so happy? Why are you so happy? Because the, the Jews had squeezed the smile out of religion. And they had made it something burdensome and boring. I mean, it must have been a bad thing, that religion, because anything that has as its primary features restrictions and laws can't be joyful. And so Jesus said, I've come, I've come to put the smile back into faith. I've come to teach you that being a Christian, being a follower of Christ, being a child of God is a life of joy. It's like going to a, it's like going to a wedding. It's a celebration. It's a thing of laughter and excitement. And he gives the illustration or the analogy of, of a wedding. And, and if you... If you haven't been to a Mediterranean wedding, you haven't been to a party, I mean, they party hardy. Have since the Bible days. I mean, it's the ultimate blowout. Barclay puts it like this. He says, For a week or so, open house was kept, and there was continual feasting and rejoicing. In a hard-wrought life, the wedding week was the happiest week in a man's life. To that week, the to that week of happiness were invited the bridegroom and his closest friends. And, and they were called by the name children of the bride chamber. Jesus likened his little company to men who were children of the bride chamber, chosen guests at a wedding feast. Chosen guests at a wedding feast, are we? There was actually a rabbinic, listen to this, there was actually a rabbinic ruling which said, all in attendance on the bridegroom. All, all, the, all in attendance of the bridegroom are relieved of all religious observances which would lessen their joy. I mean, it was a rule against somber piosity when the bridegroom was there. It was a time of celebration. I mean, those folks would mortgage everything they had to have enough money for, an ult, for the ultimate blowout, and they celebrated day after day after day. What Jesus said was, I've come to teach you that being a Christian is a life of joy, fulfillment, and excitement. Now you may be bored as a Christian. That's your problem. You don't have to be. It's not the way it ought to be. In fact, the earliest followers of St. Francis of Assisi, the Franciscan monks, they, had to, they asked him to leave church one time because they laughed too much. One missionary told that when he was serving in, the, in Pakistan that his first convert from Islam, when he was baptized, he sprang out of the water, climbed out on the bank and shouted, Hallelujah! And he ran and grabbed his friends by the hands and they formed a circle and they began to dance. And he said after that, in that community, they thought that's what you're supposed to do after every baptism. So one to get baptized, he'd shout hallelujah, and everybody start dancing. Now, now, I've had people, you know, you know what we do when we baptize here? Everybody starts clapping. You ever notice that? Somebody asked me one time, why, 
I, I don't know whether I like that or not, they said. I mean, why don't, we, why don't we clap when people are baptized? Let me tell you why we clap. It's a celebration. And so Blaine Pascal came to know the Lord and he just wrote little, little jots in his diary. Listen to what he said. About half past ten to about half past midnight. Fire! God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not the God of the scholars of the philosophers, beyond reason, joy, peace, forgetfulness of the world and everything but God. O oh Lord, the world has not known Thee, but I have known Thee. Joy, 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 tears of joy. It's a celebration. And the Christian religion is the only Christian, only faith that can rejoice in the face of death. And so Campola tells about going to a funeral in a black church where he's a member. Clarence had died, one of their devout members. And he said the preacher got up there and had a robe on. He said, he got up there and in the first 15 minutes he talked about, you know, Christian death. And said, then he, then he got down and he said, walked down there to the family and he just started talking to the family, you know, just kind of sharing with them about, you know, how he's going to be there for them and everything. And said, then he walked over to the, to the casket. And he said, Clarence, I got something I want to say to you, something I should have said to you a long time ago, but we, just, we, didn't, we didn't say what we should have said while you were alive. And so he started talking to Clarence. And he started telling Clarence how great guy they thought he was, how wonderful he'd been to them. Clarence, we appreciate you, all you've done for this church. Then when he finished, about 10 minutes of that, he just slammed the casket door down. <laughs> and he said, there was this long, stunned silence. People just kind of silent. And then he said, big smile came across his face. And he said, I've got a feeling that the Lord's going to give Clarence a good morning. And he said, on that cue, the choir stood up and they started singing and swaying on that great getting up morning. We shall rise, we shall rise. And he said, before long, the whole congregation was singing and swaying on that great getting up morning. We shall rise, we shall rise. You need to stop taking yourself so seriously. This is a faith of laughter and excitement and celebration. And even in the face of death, we can celebrate. Fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not the God of the philosophers or the scholars beyond reason. Peace, joy, forgetfulness of everything except God. The world has not known thee, but we have known thee. Joy, 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 tears of joy. And the religion of the Pharisees, they took their faith like a funeral. We take ours like a wedding. In the religion of the Pharisees, they said God is a judge to be feared. We say God is a father to be loved. 
In the religion of the Pharisees, they say, fit the mold, look the same, talk the same, do the same. We say, following Jesus is like being let out of a cage. Freedom, laughter, love. Let's pray. Our Father, why would we not, why would we not want to walk the way of Christ? Why would we not want a faith of joy and love and laughter? Why would we go on without Christ? Why would we? I pray, Father, that you'll expose today what it's all about so that there would be a hunger, a desire for it, this life of the Christian. For I ask it in Jesus' name and pray it for his sake. Now, there are three invitations. It's not a matter of coming and getting the rule book and going home and saying, I'll do these rules and that. It's not that. Give your life to Christ this morning and be free for the first time. And find an unconditional love that will never reject you. Not everybody in this room will love you. They don't even love themselves, some of them. But he does, and he will. Unconditional indefatigable love maybe this morning you need to come and place your life in the company of the committed the fellowship of a discipline of a church would you or to come as some have expressed already this week I've given my life totally to the Lord I've just laid it all to him would you want to do that while we stand to sing we invite you to come